This is the audio-only version of MedTwitter This Week. If you're interested in seeing the full video, please check us out on YouTube, Periscope, or Twitter. Let's hit it. All right, guys, welcome back. I want to share my favorite tweet. This is from Dr. Michelle Kittleson. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, it starts off with hashtag tips for new attendings, which works really well in my theme for the last couple of weeks. Sometimes you can tell a trainee doesn't agree with your plan, but isn't sure what to say. Encourage questions and debate. You'll, you'll model respectful disagreement and explaining your rationale. Better understanding for you and the trainee. Hashtag Kittleson rules. So to talk about this, I have Dr. Kittleson. Hi. Hello. Very happy to be here. Oh, I'm so happy that you're able to spend some time with me this uh, this afternoon. So I've been actually following you for a little time on Twitter now, and you definitely, off and on, you'll have these Kittleson rules, and I'm, I'm pronouncing that right, correct? Yes. And um, and I, I just, I've gleaned so much um, knowledge from you over the, the year or so that I've been following you. Um, do you want to explain a little bit behind your, your, your Kittleson rules and some of the philosophy you have in, um, as an attending and teaching trainees? Sure. You know, Kittleson rules um, came from the fact that Kittleson rules existed before Twitter existed, or at least before I existed on Twitter. I'd often be rounding with my team and I'd say, oh my gosh, that just shouldn't be done. Kittleson rule, number one. And I had a trainee um, many years ago who wrote them all down and at the end of his fellowship handed me a printed list of these Kittleson rules. I'm like, wait, I do say that, and I say that, and I say that. And it was, oh, wow. it was so cool, and it was cute. And then, because I get inspired so much by my fellows, it was another fellow a few years later who said, you should join Twitter. And I said, no, 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 no. Social media, it's not for me. I'm not going to post pictures of what I eat for breakfast. No one really cares about that. And he <laughs> said, no, it's about so much more than that. And one day we were rounding, and he um, brought up some study. I'm like, I haven't heard of that study. And he said, it's on Twitter. And that inspired me and he helped me set up an account because I had no idea how to do that. And then I kind of watched Twitter for a while, didn't really post much for the first few months, just trying to understand the medium. I'm like, but wait a minute, this is such a cool way for me to rant, not just to the four or five trainees who are, you know, have to round with me, but to the whole universe can listen to me ranting. And uh, one of my former fellows, um, followed me and said, wait a minute, you should start writing Kittleson rules. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. And I'm like, no, wait, I should. I should start writing Kittleson rules. And so that's where the hashtag was born. And that's where it came from. And my philosophy behind it is this. There are some amazing long tutorials on Twitter that you, you have featured yourself that are just astounding in their breadth and their depth and the time and trouble it takes to create them. Um, and that I don't feel that I have the time or maybe even the, the, the bandwidth or even the expertise to create these long tutorials, but I feel that my tweets are kind of like that desktop calendar back in the days when people had those little desktop calendars. <laughs> right, right, right. It was like a joke a day. So it's like a Kittleson rule a day. So if I'm walking through the halls of the hospital and I think of some random thing that's bothering me or something that could be better, I'll you know dictate an email into my phone of a Kittleson rule. And then one morning when I wake up, I'll post it. And that's so my philosophy it's a quick bite just a little thing to maybe you remember it you take it with you it changes something you do maybe it makes you better at communicating with patients maybe it makes you better at teaching your trainees in some way can make you better at what you do 
So you, you excel in the short form. Definitely there, yes. you know, there are definitely some longer versions of this. Actually, uh, my colleague on the Curbsiders, um, Dr. Uh, Paul Williams, he literally just a couple hours ago, well, actually it was yesterday, he dropped a, a 16 tweet um, discussion on like how to round with Dr. Williams. And I'll definitely link <laughs> it to people um, on, on, on uh, underneath the, the tweet as well as in the YouTube and stuff. And so I, I encourage people to take a look at. So my question to you is, you know, so you have the short form, you're definitely thinking about these. Do you still have this original document of all these Kittleson rules? Is there possible I, that we can see this? <laughs> well, it's, um, I, I uh, saved it in an email and it's funny because I don't, I don't have it on hand right now to show you. I, um, I printed it out at one point or he printed it out. And then some of my colleagues, if they were rounding on service, uh, the rotation prior to when I would come on would distribute it to the house staff <laughs> and saying, got to be prepared for Kittleson, know these rules. So it's kind of funny. I mean, I don't tell house staff or trainees to follow me on Twitter, but sometimes I can kind of tell, I wonder if you read that rule because that was a really good job you just did. So maybe it is percolating through even through my personal experience. So you, you may not have, um, feel, feel like you're, you're good at the, the long form version of these tweets. But my, my, my question is, now that we have you here, what are some <laughs> of you, what, what, do you have like a top four or top five other rules you want to share with my audience? Sure. You know, I think the key to my rules, so some of my rules are medicine-based, like heart failure pearls, because I'm a heart failure cardiologist. But most of them, I think, are about common sense and communication. And the most important thing when it comes to communication is managing expectations. I, I think there's a Kittleson rule about how if you go into a patient's room and you say, I think you're going to spend three days in the hospital, and they end up spending five days in the hospital, you're a bad doctor. If you go in their room and you say, I think you're probably going to be here seven days, and they spend five days, you're the most amazing doctor. Right? The reality doesn't change the perception and the communication of that reality has changed. Um, so for example, you're scheduled for an angiogram at 8.30 a.m. No, 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 you never say that to a patient. You say, you're scheduled at 8.30 a.m., but we all know what that means in hospital time. We hope you go before 6 p.m. You know, you have to, with experience, you learn to think three steps ahead, anticipate the things that may happen, the disruptions to sleep, the disruptions to food, the miscommunication of consultant recommendations. And you try, and so what I spend most of my two, time doing as an attending is not necessarily teaching trainees medical facts because there's so many wonderful resources at one's fingertips now for medical facts. It's how do we smooth the quality of the inpatient time for the patient and the communication during that time, giving them tips and tricks to follow to do that. So I think kiddos and rules that focus on managing expectations and communication are key. Um, and, uh, I, I just lost my train of thought. Hang on a second. They, I said um, the two things I focus on and then teaching tips and teaching. So how do you, how do you lead a team? Because for me, that was the scariest thing. For me, the scariest by far moment of medical training was becoming a second year resident. Because being an intern, oh, it's so hard. It's hard. Honestly, being an intern is just being a medical student times two. You do way more work 
but there's always a guardian angel on your shoulder making sure nothing horrible happens. Right. I was terrified of being a second year resident because all of a sudden I'm in charge and okay, there might be a, a attending, there might be a fellow, but in that middle of the night when we're admitting a patient, I'm in charge. I have to make a decision. Not only that, once you start round, rounding with your team, you're setting the tone. So I was responsible for the tone, the morale, the teaching, the decisions, and all of that seemed very scary to me. So tips that either junior uh, trainees who are now moving up to supervisory roles or attendings need, I, I try to focus on. And one important one, in addition to encouraging debate, because I think encouraging debate is so important. There's nothing I love more than when a trainee challenges my recommendation. And so this, let me, I'm going to take a slight tangential segue. Um, I published an essay in the Journal of Graduate Medical Education back in 2016 called The Toddler, The Waiter, and the captain, which to my eye were the three styles of medical trainees. The toddler who stamps their feet, wants their way, and won't listen to you. I was a toddler sometimes because I was convinced I knew what was right and no one else could know, and I was kind of scared. I wanted to know what was right, and so I would have my toddler moments. There's the waiter who just wants to take your order. Dr. Kittleson, how much Lasix would you like to give today? Also, a, a trainee who's fearful and wants to mask that by, by being as polite and helpful as possible. And then there's the captain, the trainee who owns the patient, who runs the ship, and uh, knows what the reason for every medication on the list and makes a decision. And what I get at in this essay is that it's not necessarily solely the trainee's job to slot themselves into one of those roles. It is our job as their supervisors and attending physicians. You can empower a trainee so that they are not a toddler or a waiter, but a captain. And I, that's why I love, so a resident says to me, how much LASIK should we give? I say, how much LASIK do you want to give, right? You can push it back to them, allow them to make decisions with a safety net, with the training wheels on. So I think a lot of my rules about how to lead a team or how to give your trainees enough leeway uh, to make decisions to become a captain. Second is to give them the safety to be wrong because it's okay to be wrong as long as you have a rationale. Because if you have a rationale, then I can explain to you why it's wrong and you'll learn more. So that's really important. And there are certain check marks I use kind of like um, litmus tests. If you know the reason for every medication on the list, you are a captain. So try to challenge them on round some day, but just asking randomly, are they on the ropinirole? You know, and then if they're like X, Y, and Z, great. If they say, I don't know, I say, well, let's investigate every reason for every medicine and come back tomorrow and tell me if they need it. So those kinds of little litmus checks that attendings can do, I think are extraordinarily helpful. And finally, you know, I was an attending before I was a mom, but now that I'm a mom, I feel like it's very helpful when one is an attending because I am a bit of a protector. I'm a taskmaster, but I'm also a protector. So I can be hard on you, but that random consultant's not allowed to be unfairly hard on you. So you must protect your team so you can model respectful disagreement you, and you can model how to protect and be a leader for your team. And then the final thing I'll say is, you know, as an attending physician, you're never too important 
to actually look something up. You're never too important to also look at the primary data. It's not that you sail in at 8 a.m. for rounds with your cup of coffee and just have all the information washed over you. You do the work yourself. You look up the patients, you prepare in advance. So it's not the resident or the fellow presenting a patient fresh to you. You already know so that you can tell what they've told you is consistent, inconsistent, accurate, inaccurate. You're better, the patient gets better care and you can give better teaching that way as well. Oh, that's amazing. I, I think um, for, for me, a lot of it dials down to what can I do to make sure my, my learners have as much ownership as possible of their patients. So, you yes. know, and that framework allows me to, you know, like, so they ask, so what should I do? I was like, and I, I say the same thing. So doctor, yes. you're their patient. What do you want to do? <laughs> yes. And I, and I agree. Definitely fostering a good discussion. And I think one thing that I say when I, when I start off rounds, when, when my team's just getting to know me is, you know, just give me a plan. And if you're able to give a good explanation, then we can talk about it. You know, just don't be afraid that it may be wrong, but also know that there may be things that we don't know are right or wrong. So we can definitely discuss this. Sometimes I am wrong too. And I've definitely learned many things from my trainees over the years. And just like you've had, you know, previous trainees say, you know, I don't agree with this. And actually, did you see this recent meta-analysis? So um, I, I, I definitely had that. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Now, that, now I'm learning too. So, you know, the thing is, I, I view rounds like it's a learning opportunity for me as well, because I learned so much from my trainees. So yes. I think if you go into that, that mindset, then you're likely going to foster more discussion. And on, and on those, and, um, on those, along those lines, when you're the attending physician, or even if you're the trainee, it's very important to differentiate what is art and what is science. And for example, an INR goal of 2.5 to 3.5 is science for a mechanical mitral valve. There's no wiggle room necessarily. Okay, maybe you're having a subdural, we'll talk about it. But otherwise that is, you're not gonna tell me your plan to be different than that plan. On the other hand, they're on some Lasix and they're not peeing enough. Should I double the dose? Should I increase the frequency? Should I put them on a drip? Should I add metolazone? There is an art there. And as the trainee, if your attending puts the kibosh on your plan, try to figure out, was it because of art or was it science? Either way, it's okay, because ultimately the, the attending is the bottom line. But if you understand the rationale for why they change the plan, that'll make you so much better. So never be afraid as the trainee to direct your question towards why. Tell me why this is the right approach. I want to understand. And as the attending, try to be conscious to always say, I, this is my reason for doing it, because the guidelines tell me I have to, or because, you know what, for the last 10 years, this just seems to work better for me. That's a really good point. Excellent. Excellent. Um, anything else about your Kittleson rules that you want to share before I hit some of my favorite tweets of the week? Well, I'd like to say that to the Twitterverse at large, I feel very uh, fortunate that Kittleson rules have had such a positive uh, reception from Twitter. Um, Twitter can be a crazy place. And I feel very lucky that the 100% well-intentioned Kittleson rules have been embraced as such. So thank you to the Twitterverse for that. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. All right. So I'm going to share with you guys my favorite tweets of the week. So first comes from CP Solvers and Dr. Kimberly Manning. 
at Grady Doctor was their Juneteenth episode. I think it was like episode 100 or so forth. And it was just a fantastic one. She had her father on and they talked about Juneteenth. It was just, it was just a wonderful, wonderful episode. Probably my favorite CP Silver's episode so far. Um, my, next, my next pick would be from Esther Chu. She gave us a great history lesson on the impact of the Flexner Report. There was a lot of great discussion afterwards as well, but how the Flexner Report actually affected the amount of Black doctors we have now and throughout history, how this has um, affected other people. Um, next is Vinay Prasad's um, tweet on our thread on, how, on the toxicity of Twitter and how to reduce the toxicityness of Twitter and what are good... Um, things that you can do to to keep yourself from being toxic. I think one thing is, uh, one thing I, I, I never heard the term was uh, a snitch tweet, where like, you know, someone's talking about someone else in vague terms, but then someone will tag that person underneath that tweet and say, hey, this guy might be talking about you. <laughs> then all of a sudden, you're like causing people to have an uncomfortable confrontation that was never expected. And so I think um, I would definitely read through those because I, I find I found those really interesting, especially for people who are new to Twitter, they can understand what are, what's the good ground rules. Um, and the last is sort of a throwback to um, last week where um, we had a recent, uh, where seminars in nephrology had a recent ep uh, issue about social media, medicine and, and le learning. And um, Adam Rodman did uh, a thread um, specifically talking about his article that he did with uh, Shreya Charetti. Both are, Adam and Shreya are both friends, friends of the show, um, but they had an article also looking at uh, podcasting and how it can affect um, education as well. So I would definitely have everyone check that out. And if you haven't checked out that whole episode of Seminars of Nephrology, I would encourage you to do so. So um, Dr. Kilson, so it, you know, this is the end of the show. I just want to say, is, is there anything else you want to, um, any, any other pearls of wisdom you want to give to my audience? <laughs> Well, I would just say that I, I am so impressed by med Twitter in so many ways. And for new Twitterers or old tweeters, um, the democrat democratization of Twitter is really extraordinary. You can post a tweet about cholesterol and have one of the authors of the cholesterol guidelines comment on what you're saying. I find that to be such an amazing and powerful resource. And I encourage the more engagement we have, the more we all can learn. Awesome. That's a great way to end the show. <laughs> all right, folks. Um, I want to thank Dr. Kittleson for <laughs> spending some time with us today. Thank I you. think I learned a lot today and I look forward to continuing to follow your tweets. Cool. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks, folks. Thanks for following us for another show. I want to make sure that if you're interested in, in following us on all the platforms, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, and now we're finally on Apple Podcasts, including all the other podcast platforms like Anchor and Google Podcasts. So you can definitely check the show in all those places. Please like, subscribe, comment, all the fun stuff we normally do with these social media podcasting shows. All right. Well, have a good one. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.